Okay, so um, so the part of the the share today is called "Great is Peace," and Shalom, peace is something which um, you know it's in the air. People are talking about it now with the war, and uh, you know, Zimmer spoke about it, Benner spoke about it. It's just you know, it's like the world is talking about it. The Jewish world is talking about the lack of Shalom, the desire for Shalom, the fact that we need Shalom. And it seems to be the case. But, you know, if a number of people have asked me, you know, there's like, are there caveats to Shalom? Shalom with anybody? Is that we just want peace no matter with who, with what, under what conditions? Is that like a goal in and of itself? Like, let's say everyone's going to peacefully join together to rebel against God. Would that be a good idea? Right? Obviously not. Right? The kind of... So, like, this kind of questions, like, what's the, you know, parameters of Shalom, that type of thing, right? So, this is, the shear tonight is part of a larger shear, which I haven't yet figured out or thought about, but I'm sure it's a big topic. That's my point. Shalom is a big topic, and I'd love to hear the bigger discussion about it, you know, which I haven't yet thought about. Okay, but I do want to start, there's a Rashi on this past week's Parsha, which, um, which does discuss it, and maybe it could open up, you know, you know, open up a discussion, a bigger discussion, you know, about Shalom. But again, my point is, I'm not doing a thorough analysis of Shalom. To do so, I would think one would want to go through many sources, Hazal, it's all over, Shalom's all over the place, it's a major theme. So again, I don't claim to be doing that, I want to kind of work through a few Rashi's on this past week's Parsha, one of which is talk talks uh, explicitly about shalom and the importance of shalom, but again, there's I'm sure there's more to be said. Okay, so I guess we could cut to the chase and then we'll go backwards a little bit. Okay, so the cut to the chase is um, the Rashi was um, it's Bandar Haflaga, so it says in. In Tas, Yudalif Tas. Okay, so I want to do other Rashi's. I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this Rashi because it's, um, you know, whatever, but then I want to go back a little bit also. So let's just read it. So it's in Pulsic Tas. Um, okay. Right? So therefore they call the name of the place Babel because Hashem from there mixed them up and, um, you know, mixed up the tongues of the people and spread them over the whole uh, world. Right? So Rashi says, which one is um, worse? Okay. It says, It says, they don't have a right. What's worse? Shodor Mabal or Shodor Aflaga? Shodor Mabal or Aflaga? Right? Elu lo pashtu yad be'ikar. The Yudara Mabal guys, they didn't rebel, you know, place their hand, spread up their hand against the foundation. Basically, rebel against God. Elu pashtu yad be'ikar. And these... The Flaga guys, they, they rebelled against Hashem. Right? So who's worse? Right? Obviously, the, the ones who rebelled against Hashem, you think. The Elu Nishtafu, the Elu Lonevdaman Olam, but the, the Mabel guys were drowned, and the Dar Flaga guys aren't even destroyed from the world. They're just spread out. Right? That doesn't seem right. Ella, Dar Hamabel, how you guys the Dara Mabel were thieves, and there was fighting between them. The Kach and Therefore, they perished. They were destroyed. 
ve'elu, and these guys, the Darflaga guys, how you know him av of they were had a custom of uh, friendship, right? Love and friendship amongst them, amongst each other. So they were one language and um, singular words, right? Like they were unified. It teaches you, you can learn, and Machlokas is hated, and Shalom is great. Right? Yes. Question. Good question. Right. That was one of those. That was a good question. Right. And there's the whole, their whole chait was that they were singular. That was the cause of their problem. They unified together in their fight against Kodesh Baruch Hu. And the solution was to spread them out and to break their shalom. And to, right? So so great. Then let them have shalom. But Hashem said, this shalom stinks. And I'm going to make them not have any shalom. I'm going to spread them out and break the shalom. So if that, that doesn't seem to be the takeaway lesson is that shalom is a great thing. If anything, it seems to be to break up the shalom. Right? And arguably, that's what you do. If you have shalom gathering together to be um, to some corrupt means, isn't don't you want to break up the shalom? You know, guy is shalom with a bad chaver, so you break them up. That's not a shalom, which is good, it would seem, right? So, Godel has shalom, and that's why they they're alive. On the contrary, it's just hard to understand, right? That's the question. Right? It's just obvious. It's hard to understand what's the value of Shalom altogether. Shalom to rebel against Hashem doesn't sound to be a very good value altogether. And the solution totally seems to indicate the opposite. Okay, so so let's let's backtrack a little bit. Let's take a little a look at the partials a little bit, okay? Okay. So again, there's obviously they're both a lot to say about both of these stories. But just some interesting Rashi's just to get some some context, okay? So the Dora Mabal, right? The Dora Mabal. So I guess it started a little bit in the end of Rashus, right? And I guess Vav. So they had daughters. So they basically they saw these women are beautiful and they took women from whatever they chose, right? Even married women and uh, even the Zafar and Behema, they basically total promiscuity. Fine. So basically, I can't, I can't, this isn't going to work. Right? I can't list, rest my spirit on them forever. 120 years. Let's see what happens, right? Okay. Okay. Fine. And then it says, There's constantly involved in um, evil. Right? And he, fine. he says, I'm going to erase them from the earth. Okay. So that's basically, so at this point, it seems like the Chet is, is like Zanas, right? And then in Noah, so it says, this is in Vav Yeralech, right? So the, the world became corrupt before Hashem, and it got filled with the theft. And Hashem saw the corruption, that the old, old flesh corrupted its way on the earth. So Rashi is Okay, so Tishaches is like Erva and Erva Dazar. Right? So it's now he's introducing this idea of and then Gazel. And then it says, Hashem said to man, like the end of all flesh is coming. Because they're filled with Hamas. So Rashi is Kate's Kalbasar. He says, any place, right? He says, any place you find Nus, you find 
Anjol Amosia comes to the world, which they translate as catastrophe. Okay? The Oregas Tovim Rahim, so Kes Chabas are somehow as a reference to the promiscuity. But then it says, Kimala, it's Chamas, Lo Nechtam Gzardin, El Hagazal. Al Hagazal. So the Gzardin was sealed because of theft. So it seems like it started with promiscuity and ended in theft. Somehow the Avazar got in the middle there also on the Rashis, right? And the ultimate climax, the culmination of the din was because of the gospel, right? And that's what he says. Right? So Hamas was like the last straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, right? But it seemed to be somehow connected with, uh, at least started with this uh, promiscuity. Okay. So Hamas, that's what you mean. That's not, there's no shalom in Hamas. Hamas is basically everyone's stealing, taking everyone's stuff. Right, so it'll break down the shalom. Right, okay. So that's that. Okay, so they have it straight. Now, if we go to the Daraflaga, so that's you know, it'd be nice to understand, I guess, the connection between this and us, and uh, <laughs> but this is reasonable, right? Okay, so then if you look at the Daraflaga, so there's an interesting, I mean, again, there's the rebelling against Hashem, right. They come right. It says, "What Dvar Machad?" The Marsh says, "And you know, Alfal Bo Beitz Achas." They came in one advice, one plan. Dvar Melo Kolim and Ashivor Lo Salyonim. You can't let God uh, take control over the heavens, right? Now the Rakiv and I still hold. Go up to the sky and make a war against them, right? Okay. So whatever the whole thing, right? Okay. So then it says, "Hava." They said to their friend, Let us go and make bricks and put them into the furnace. The brick will be for stone and whatever. They build this tower, right? Okay, so what's Hava? What's the Lashon Hava? The Rashi says, Hava has minu Prepare yourselves. Hava Let us prepare ourselves to go and uh, make these uh, bricks. Okay, and that's what he says. Whenever you say hava, he says means osmama. You're preparing yourself to gather together for a job or a work or a carrying. That's what it means. Prepare. Okay, hava. Okay, hava. So then, fine. They did their whole sin, but then it says Hashem came and saw the ear and the migdal that they built, and he says they have one, one, one nation, one, one, one mouth, one language for all them. And this is the, this is what they're doing, and now I'm going to let them uh, do what they're trying to do. All right, I can't let them do this. Hava and Hava, and Lashon Hava Nerda. Let us go down, prepare ourselves or something to go down, and Avlasam and confuse their languages. They don't hear each other. They don't understand each other. Right. So Rashi picks up on this Hava. Hava, Hashem saying Hava. They said Hava, Hashem said Hava. Says Midak Nagamid. Haim Amru Hava Nib. Now they said, let us prepare ourselves to build. Who connect them? Madad Vamar Hava Nerdos. Then Hashem measured and said, let us prepare and go down and mix up their tongues. Right? Okay. So that's Midak Nagamid. Okay, any question on that? Problem is, neither can I mean that would mean that they do a certain crime and Hashem punishes them by doing a similar thing to them. It's normally that neither can I mean that works, right? 
they try to kill Moshe in the water and they were drowned in the water. Or something like that, right? Yeah, right. But because they use the word Hava, let us prepare ourselves. Therefore, Hashem in the Torah says to his angels, whatever, his heavenly court, let us prepare ourselves to take them down. Like normally you think Mida Kanega Mida is like, it's like the person is the way we think about it, that Hashem punishes in a way which is reminiscent of the sin. And that brings to mind in, in the, of the sinner why he's getting punished and helps him to tshuva or something like that. But here, it's not doing anything like that. The, the, the Hashem didn't make a public announcement. Hava, Neredav, Nabashim, Svasam. So it's just what it writes in the Torah. So how is that? Because he uses the word to describe Hava. That's somehow a midah connected midah. Yes, and maybe a reference. Yeah, but like, well, that's not midah connected midah. Hashem's referencing. We understand it's open. That's why Hashem's doing it. It's open in the Torah. You want to know in the Torah that that's why He's doing it. it says that's why because they have this tongue and this is what they're going to. And it's clear that's why they're getting punished. So you don't need that Torah to do that in order to show you that that's why they're getting punished. We don't think if you show them, but you're not showing them. It's just the Torah writing it. But the Torah clearly makes the connection that that's what's going on, and that's what they're getting punished for. So do you really need the word Hava and Hava to, uh, to draw that connection? Let's work on that question. Okay, let's work on that question. Yeah, that's a good question. I like that. Like you were saying. It's like, is the sin that they prepared? What's wrong with preparing? The sin is that they prepared, that they rebelled against Hashem. Not the fact that they used the word Hava. Right. I know. Yeah, good question. I like that. Yeah, let us prepare, prepare ourselves, and make it a tower. Okay, so what's the big deal with that? Right. Okay, so I just I, I, this. I'm not addressing our questions. I'm just it's coming up. What, what in the world is their plan? Right. It's a strange. Like, it's like most thing. What was their plan? They can make a tower to Hashem and then shoot arrows at Hashem and it's gonna be bleeding. Like, what, what was the theory? Right. The Rebbe had a very nice year. Beautiful. But um. Uh, it's been a while, but I'll just sort of remember about it. That basically, they they were like threatened. The Rashi connects it to the Dharmabal. Like they were afraid of Hashem bringing the Dharmabal to them. And like the Dharmabal brings about man's insecurities and he feels weak and powerless and hopeless and subordinate before Akadosh Baruch. And that would be the appropriate response. The Dharmabal should humble you. But man's, man's humility comes from his recognition of his smallness in the world. And they were trying to deny man's smallness through like technology, through building like skyscrapers. It's like there's a certain egotism of man when you build skyscrapers, towers up to the sky. And it allows you to feel like you're, you're great. Man is great and we don't need God anymore. We could overthrow God. It's like, it's like your weakness makes you feel needy and dependent upon the Kaddish Baruch But your control over nature and your architecture and your, you know, Magnificent towers, strong, powerful towers, which have good, uh, you know, shock absorbers, or whatever. It's like, and it's like mankind united in order to collectively rise up in the greatness and feel, uh, so, see the greatness of man, bring to mind the greatness of man. And so far as you have the greatness of man, then you don't need God anymore. Just take security in each other, in the numbers, and the unity, and the greatness of mankind. And that was like a fate. Man's man's unification is bad for him because it lets him feel like he's greater than he really is. And that's the solution was that Hashem spread them out and undermine that 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 
feeling of power, which comes from the unity. Unity was was uh, was used like um, to delude themselves into feeling greater than they truly were. So that's what I mean. They were trying to build a tower and rebel against such, right? Okay. So that's the solution. Is basically spread them out and you create this unity. And man, man without the unity, man, the unified man. But no, in theory, it could be that bechira to use it properly. It could be the greatest thing. It will be a unity in the last lava And it could be it was an opportunity to have a unity. Man could accomplish so much more in terms of Hashem, in terms of technology, in terms of mastering the Rukushua before altogether. It could be that Bakhira to do so. But ultimately they weren't able to, you know, they failed. The the unity was end up being a uh, stumbling block for them. You know, I almost gave a share last year. This is like a little more speculative. I, I don't think I ended up giving the share because I, I couldn't work it out fully. But I wanted to argue because there's, there's a question is like, this again, this is a parenthetical discussion. Okay, but uh, you could ask a question. Again, I, I don't know. I'm no anthropologist. But I'm not sure it's backed up by, you know, modern uh, linguist, you know, studies or whatever, that all languages emerged from this one point however many years ago it was, you know, 4,000 years ago, whatever. Like, uh, let's say, let's say anthropologists could trace, man, you know, language to further back than that. And uh, there was no unity to find language. And I read a book about languages when I was preparing the share, but I ended up getting the share. But basically, that was the question. Is it true? Is it true in terms of, like, the science or the our discoveries, you know? What? History. History. Yeah, history. Like, to whatever degree we can know it. Like, it's not so easy to know these things. I, started, I realized that the linguistics is an interesting study. It's not so easy to get this uh, information, but whatever. So I wanted to say is like, let's say it's not true. Let's say it's not historically true. And like, I don't know, there were people in Australia who were geographically separated from these guys who were talking some other language and whatever. Then all, you know, not all languages come from, you know. Although I wasn't sure. I think I remember Noah may have told me that maybe it is the original language you wrote. Like based on the linguists or something. I don't know. It could be there's some truth to it, but whatever. I'm saying, let's say this. So is it Akasha? So I thought maybe you could say is like, in some sense, maybe there was a story like this, which happened in a certain place. And Hashem separated them, you know, split them up. But basically, I wanted to argue, is like in some, there's a truth, there's like a realness to the story, and there's also a metaphor to the story, which is that ultimately God made man in a way that he does not have unity. Ultimately, man is going to be petty and man's going to end up fighting. And why? Because of this. Because of this is what happens. And like in a certain sense, this is like the experiment which shows what happens if man could be unified. And ultimately, what God did, like, what do you do with the thing? A guy said, You passed me a hammer. What he like miraculously, like, um, you know, made them confused and made the languages like that? That's like hard to believe that. So that's exactly what happened, you know? I think it means it's like he created a certain type of disunity. They started fighting. And however that happened, started a fight. And once you start a fight, then you run here, you run here, you go to this school, you go to that school, you speak this language, this language, and then they end up making different languages. Like you make different languages because you can't all unify and you can't get along. And then you go different places. You have your own way of doing things. Everyone wants to do things differently. But like, this is like, why? Why is it that man is so disunified? You know, so, you know, fighting and all that. So it's like, it could be as like, in a certain sense, this is an experiment which illustrates what's why that's why God made man that way, or what's the good of man being this way. Because on the one hand, fighting is bad, 
But what happens is if man becomes unified, then it leads to even worse. You know, or it leads to whatever. They they end up failing. They just rise and raise themselves up too great. And like, but because everyone's always fighting and everyone has to break up into all these little groups, so therefore we feel small, humble, and therefore we turn to God. We're more, you know, this problem. This problem is like the problem with unity. Unity could be good, but it has like a pitfall. So my point was like, even if you want to say like all languages don't come from here, literally, I'm saying all languages come from here conceptually, which is like this is the reason. This story embodies the reason why man, God made man in this type of a way. God made man in a way which will be conducive to his ultimate bechira, uh, to live properly, to live a good life. And if he was all unified, if the old man got along perfectly, without Yemaz Mashiach, but basically without some sort of ultimate Torah and break people together, unity would ultimately lead to this type of thing. Something like that. Okay, so, you know, this was a more developed chair, which wasn't developed enough for me to give. So, yeah, it's even less developed. But that's, you know, the beginning of some thoughts. I'm trying to say it's both a literal story and it's a marshal. It's like it's a, there was this actual story which happened, which the mock of the was that he mixed up the tongues. But like, like there was a group of people who managed to unify and come together and do that, and it didn't work out. And like, but that's in general, it's not man's nature, and that's not the way God made man. So I don't know, you could say like at that point he changed man's nature all around the world, or it's just like it could be this story embodies what happens when man does unify. And that's why in general God made man in a way that's Kishambal I'm saying doesn't necessarily literally mean from this point every language went out. But it's like from this story is the source, the conceptual root of why man is made in a way that he can't really unify. Because the one time he managed to pull it off to come together, look what happened. And therefore it's like God could have made man in a way that they were more unified. Like why does our psyche have to be that we're so much fighting? But like ultimately, isn't that harmful? The answer is no, not really. It's like it, it's true. It has its downfall. There's something bad about the fighting, but the unity, if not used properly, is even worse. You know, and that's kind of what it's talking about. Like it's the pros and cons. There's a benefit to be unified if you use it properly. But if you don't, then you rebel against Hashem, and then you're, you're, you're hopeless, you know? So that was like the better of the choices was to make man fighting. Then we feel weak and um, vulnerable, and then we then we're more likely to turn to Hashem or acknowledge the din of the Dharmabo, acknowledge the fact that we're dependent upon Hashem. That's well, like, what I'm... Part of like the new atheist type of uh, thinking is like, you know, we've conquered the world because the science and technology have gotten us so great, so who needs God anymore? It's like part of the modern, like you have much more atheists nowadays that we've conquered science, so to speak, and technology than they used to be. They, you, the world was too scary to be an atheist at that time. That's like you needed the help of the God. Nowadays, you said science could be a God or whatever. You could, man is the God. Man, you know, technology, engineering, design, you know, that type of thing. Saying the unity is bad because it leads to unification and the great man feeling mankind feeling that they're great and they don't need a Baruch and they're rebelling against a Baruch So therefore, the maka was is that God created a fight. He he, he somehow in Ashkacha in this society he caused the fight. They were on a path to really unify, 
that there was Hashem somehow. One guy, the hammer fell on his foot, and you know, I don't know, he created a fight, which caused like a division, and that division caused him to split up and to go in this land. And then basically, the man and the, you know, it, it propelled into um, further fighting. But I'm saying not necessarily like every single language in the whole world, you know, in Australia came from this thing, but this is like, it's the concept which this story embodies, which is why Hashem made it in general, man doesn't unify. He could unify, but in general he doesn't. And this is like a case study of what happens when he does. When he unifies, he rebels against God. When he doesn't unify, then he feels weak and needs God. What I'm saying is, is that this story happened. There was a group of people who came together and unified, and Hashem punished them and split them up. Now the question is, does now when it says, Kisham Baal Hashem Adam, the question is, does that mean, does that mean that every language in the entire world came from this one point? I'm saying that's a metaphor. Yes, in a conceptual sense, but not necessarily in a historical sense. So this story actually happened, but the story embodies a lesson about man's nature. And that lesson about man's nature is the source of infighting everywhere and the multiplicity of languages everywhere. So it's one story which happened, which embodied that lesson and showed it in the most clear way of what ha what happens that when man comes together and why God made it that man doesn't come together. But in that place, maybe he had to intervene to make them fight. But in general, it's his nature that he does, he's always fighting. Man just does fight. That's just kind of our nature. Now, so there was a particular place where they somehow they came together and they were unified, or there was an instance where there was a nation or whatever, they were unified. Or maybe originally all the people in this town were unified because they came from uh, Adam or, you know, from Noah. Like, it could be that. It could be like, these people all came from Noah. And, but I don't know, maybe there are Aborigines in Australia who didn't come from Noah and whatever. But the point is, they're also always fighting. And this is like why, and it's man's nature to fight. Why is the man's nature to fight? Why doesn't Hashem just make our nature to be unified? Isn't that like, wouldn't that be more productive? But saying no. It might, you might think so, but it's not true. It ends up being harmful because of this. So yeah, is unity, unity yeah. is yeah. it no longer... Peace is a good goal, ultimately. I mean, look, we're in the middle here, but peace is ultimately a goal. Is there will be unity, but the unity has to be with under its proper uh, mission, under the guidance of the Torah and Mashiach, and all that to bring it about. But the Torah is the goal of Torah is like Shalom in the world. So there is a Shalom which is sustainable and which is good. But it has to, to be done and brought about in a proper way. But just stop the emotion of unity. Pure emotion of unity is going to lead to rebellion against Hashem. So there is a unity which is guided by the Torah, ultimately under the banner of Yichad Hashem. That's good. And that's what we strive for and we daven for, and, you know. Look, I don't have any real problem with saying that actually they were all unified with one language because it's from time in Noah and all languages came from there. I just don't know if it's historically true. And I feel like it's valuable to have ways of learning these things, even if the modern discoveries show that that's not historically true. So I, I try, that's why I try to look in the this book about language. It's like, you know, I don't feel what it's called, but it was a good, you know, it was one of these books out there. And I realized one thing I realized is it's not, it's like a somewhat of a speculative field, but it was, I don't, I don't remember the conclusion, but it wasn't very clear. Like it's, it's a whole Chachma. Cool. It was very cool. It was, I'm not saying, I don't say speculative, like just made up. I don't mean that. It, it's a science. 
but it's like somewhat of a soft science or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's like, the, the, but it's like, you have to go backwards. It's like, you're trying to figure out, you don't have, have like language books, or grammar books, or whatever. It's like, you kind of have to take the languages that exist and try to figure out, I don't know, there's a lot of detective work in trying to come up with, uh, you know, theories and, right, and you're postulating what happened based upon, you know, we have so, a word, but we don't know. There's but you have to figure out rules that explain why yes, it's this way. Yes, that, that type of thing. And then there's yeah. different seven exceptions. Yeah, that type of thing. That type of thing. So the book, I mean, it was a fascinating book. It was, it's very rigorous and very, you know, interesting. I think I remember it was, it was largely very speculative also. But, you know, it wasn't bad, but it was just, you know. But my point is, is that, again, I, I don't know that we have to have to believe like uh, that every single language came from the Tower of Babel, Babel uh, however many years ago it was, you know? And I don't think we our, our belief in Torah should be dependent upon that fact, such that if, you know, scientists discover that that's not true because the people in Australia had a different language. And you say, why don't they all have one language? Or why did they? I don't know. I'm just saying is like, ultimately, what's the point? Yeah, let's most of them. What's the point of telling us this story? Who cares? Because it, it explains the why there's different languages. I'm saying different languages isn't just languages. It's different cultures and different personalities and different fighting and you know just the whole religion. It's just like man doesn't get along. We want you. We want our own unique ways of doing things, and we form groups. But the groups have a certain size, and when they get too big, they break apart, and everyone wants to do things a little bit differently. Every the joke is you know the shoal, there's two shoals in the town, and the guy on the island or whatever, right? That's so it's like. Show. Yeah, three shows. Yeah, for one guy. So, yeah. So the, the point is, but this is like a lesson in why it is that way. Why? What's bad? Why is it that man's nature is this way? Or why does I make it this way? It's an onash. It's an onash. And maybe if man were able to use his unity properly, it would have been better. But he failed. You know, he failed in this one instance. And this is indicative of a failing, which would happen uh, in general. But there is a way for it to happen, and that's what Yomaz Mashiach will be like, where we will all be unified. I don't know if we'd speak one language, maybe. Lashon Kodesh, other new that say we speak one language, maybe. That's right. The problem is the unification of man's greatness is a denial of God. But if unification is under the manner of of Yidiyas Hashem, then there's no problem. And that's what it could have been or should have been. It could unify together, get their resources in the best possible way. How much... World peace is great for prosperity and all that. We could put all our resources together and international trade and whatever. It's great. It's the best for the most Mashiach. It's things, right? Problems war creates all kinds of problems. But if we if we would be able to use it properly, then it'll be great. And that's the vision of the most Mashiach, that we'll all be together. But it's it's a stumbling block because man has this sense of his own greatness. His own, and that that sense could be lead him towards total Kofar Becker and lose all Mabah and destroy everything. Okay. So that's last year's year, which I never ended up giving. So I just figured, you know, I don't think I'm gonna, so that's why I figured I'd just put it out there. You know. Okay. So back to this year's, right? So, okay, so. So, so going with this Hava thing, right? Did anyone have any other thoughts about the Hava? I like what you said, Mashallah. That was good. Okay, so just let me go with that. A little bit of the Kiva saying, what Moshe was saying. So, the step of Kiva's taking, saying, look, by the Dar Mabel, there was, so to speak, no effects. They were destroyed. By the Dar there was effects. 
Hashem had to prepare them and make a plan, and figure out a plan, but there was they're fixable. Marble, they basically were irretrievable. I mean, of course, Hashem could totally change them, make them uh, recreate, whatever, but it's already like recreated, right? But they were basically lost. So why? So by, by the Dara Mabal, it basically man became like an animal. Okay? Starting with his nose, total promiscuity. Right? Sleeping with everyone, with animals, with men, with all women, married women, that's on total, total uh, Afgaros of nose. And that's like the first step where a man lost his like moral compass, his humanity, his self-control, totally given over to Stavos. Right. And then that ended up leading to the other type of like the law of the jungle. Basically, man just became totally each man for himself, destroying no law in order, you know, just totally just beat up other people and take their stuff or whatever. And you just guess all like, there's no 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 law, no society, and it just basically becomes like a jungle, like uh, animals. Right. So it's like in a certain sense, it could be this gnosis is like the beginning in terms of the personality. Person becomes totally instinctual, total no self-control. But it doesn't destroy the world in the same way that that Gazel. Gazel is basically just can't have a society. I mean, you can have a society of people who are doing gnosis. I mean, they're just going to be promiscuous and sleeping around and whatever. But like, whatever, you have a society at some level. But it's like when there's gazelle, it's like it undermines any law and or any ability to make any any society. Everyone just goes and bashes in everyone's stuff and takes their things. You can't have you can't have um, any stability in the world. And that's when that was the Nachman Sardino. So it could be it's like a it's a process of man, you know, devolving into being like an animal. But that's. Um, now, that's what ultimately led to the to the, the society falling apart. And like they're not barhachis of thinking. They're just there's that there's total giving into their instincts. So they want something, they just take it. I belong to someone else, who cares? Uh, there's they want a woman, they take it. They want an item, they take it. There's no so there's no way to talk to people like that. They're not, they're totally given over to their instinctual nature. And therefore, you can't get through to them. Look, I mean, Noach is building a table for them. So they listen, they weren't interested. Totally right there. They said, we're going to smash the table. I mean, it's like they're not, so they're not, they're not barachis of, of uh, repair. Because you can't, you can't talk to them. Okay, this is as an aside. That's what Rebbe wanted to say once. Is the Shevmas and Noach are basically laws that, not not like talking missiles, they're basically laws that keep man to be man and not man. Like then is part of Shevmas and Noach. You know, or even a chai is you're not like a barbarian, just like uh, you know, grabbing a limb from an animal, or, you know, gazelle and arayas, killing, and because Hashem, interesting, whatever. But point is like that's a that's a I think his main idea about Hashem is you know, it's not like to bring about perfection, like a dusha. Rather, it's just the basic idea of man being man, having human society. It's like the necessary building blocks of a human society, not animals. Okay, so that's that's, uh, that's an aside. Fine. So that that's the that's the Dara model. So look, was it the most evil? It's not not the same evil necessarily as rebelling against God. It's just total taiva, total animals, and you, you have nothing to work with when you devolve to that point. So you just watch them why start it again, right? Okay.
but the Dorhaf Laga was not total animals. They were thoughtful. They were thinking through a plan. Hava. Let us They were able to have thought, plans. They're thinking into their situation. They're thinking, how could we rise above our situation? How could we get out of our insecurity? How could we come together? Let's work together and see if we could rise up and make ourselves greater than we feel like we are. Or, you know, now it was an evil they use they utilized their planning for Ra. That's true. And in a certain sense, that's worse. It's more evil. Because it's like they're taking the Tamil again, we're taking their Fahma, taking their ability to control themselves, to sublimate their instincts and utilizing it for Ra. Premeditated. Yeah, it's there's something more evil about that. You know, it's almost like you could think of like, I'm not sure this is an exact analogy, but like Afashvirash versus Amman. Afashvirash is a total diva. Amman's thinking, he's controlling himself. He's so it's more conniving, more political, more right. So it could be more evil. Not, and that's what it seems like the Rashi is saying. In this sense, it is more evil. Who's worse? Right? But the person who has shalom, you see, shalom is an indication of the fact that they're, they could sublimate their instincts. They could control themselves. They could say, I want this and you want that, but will we work better if we work together? And therefore, we'll all we'll control ourselves. And I'm not going to grab your thing, and you're not going to grab my thing, because if we put our minds together, we'll be able to form a greater good. And that that demands like a certain level of humanity, right? That's a certain level of self control. Now, again, the self control can be used for bad, and that's that is bad. Again, it reminds me of before I'm digressing again. But like Ravi once had this great, also a great share. He asked. The question was that Yaakov says to, to I'm sorry, Avram said to Eliezer, go take a wife only for my family. Right? And I don't want to know They're terrible. Go take my family. And who's his family? Lavan? House of Lavan? And this, that, what kind of house is that? Lavan Arama? That's the house you're going to? It's not, they're not Tzadikim? Right? So what's so good about that house? Right? So you wanted to say there's different types of Ra. There's like, Canaan is like the land of like Taibos. They're like a Vodzara, Zunas. That's that type of a person you can't work with. They're just totally animalistic, total base types of people. And they're, uh, they're you can't work with them. Lavan was a Rasha, but he's a Rasha who's a Ramai. A Ramai demands self control. You can't be a good Ramai if you can't control yourself. You have to be able to hold, you know, hold a plan in mind and control yourself. And he's tricked, and that's evil. And he's a Rasha. But still, that that capacity could be used Latov. And if it's used Latov, then there were well, the women in that family were good, and there were Tzadkanios. And there, you know, he, she knew that in the Midah, or the, 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 the Kawach Adam, to be able to choose and control, was there. Now, it had to be guided properly. So he, he checked, and Eliezer did a test to make sure she was in the proper mindset or whatever. So, so again, so what I'm saying is by Dara Flaga, so yes, they were evil. But their evil indicated a certain kawach adam, certain ability to give up on your immediate self-centered desires and control them to be able to join together for a greater good or a greater bad. Now, again, it was a greater bad, but the greater bad that was available to them was this unity rebelling against Hashem. So Hashem says, oh, 
they had a plan. I'm going to make a plan to be able to redirect their planning towards something else. So it's like, it's like there's there a type of a person who is like a like a premeditated, a thoughtful type of a person. That's a gavra who you could build the world with. You have to direct him on a proper path. And if he's on a bad path, it could go awry, it could go terribly. But at the same time, with Hashem's onesh, you put them on a, on a different path. And once they're on a better path, then they could use their chachmah to align for its better purposes. They, they might need a little bit of guidance, but at least there's a certain level of adam, of uh, thoughtfulness and self-control that's able to build, build towards something greater. So that's what it's saying. is Hashem, they're more evil, but they're more workable with an appropriate uh, guidance. So it could be that's what it means, Gadol HaShalom. You know, that Shalom indicates a, a certain level of Adam. Now, is it a goal in, 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 in its own right? Not really. If it's used, the Shalom is used for Ra, that's that's Ra. But you could work with a person. A person who's who's a Barahafi of Shalom is you're open to have a conversation with him. You're open to influence him and to, to grow together because you could like you could, two people are shown they could listen to each other you could talk to each other and you might be on different paths but at least there's a conversation to be had which could be directed towards something greater but people who are who are in disunity who are fighting who are just calling each other terrible names and they're you know throwing and fighting and whatever it's like you can't have a conversation you can't interact with them in any productive way because they're not, they're each totally drowning out the other person and you you, know, you can't you can't grow. You can't do anything. So that's what I think is maybe part of, you know, going back to the modern time where this idea of Shalom, I think that is what's indicated. It's like, you know, in the Israel situation, again, I'm not, I'm not really up on the, the, the what happened and whatever, but it seems like that was what was going on. It was this disunity and the fact that they simply couldn't talk to each other. And like, that's from what I hear, the digital, whatever, the reforms, there was room for compromise. But no, they simply couldn't do it because they couldn't talk to each other. So it's like they each were stuck in their own way without the ability to sublimate their desires for the recognition that we're part of one country and we could find the greater good. Let's work together to see if we could, uh, yes, we may each have to give up what we want, but we are in one country and we may not like it, but this is the reality. We're in one country and we have a common enemy. Let's talk together to be able to see if we could find, uh, we may each have to compromise a little bit. But that's part of Shalom. Shalom demands a level of humanity where you're not just an animal who just says, what I want is what I need to get instantly, and I'm not willing to budge in the slightest bit. So, and I think that's what, you know, at least now with Onesh or with uh, the fighting Hamas and the war and all that, it does, it is creating people who previously, like that story, who just said it, or maybe, uh, who said that story? Someone, someone in the story. The thing about the uh, the pizza stores, the stores, the trade restaurants and all that. Like they kosher themselves and they're like, uh, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, they would never make uh, their trade, but you know, they realize now we're fighting a war together. We have to work together. There are soldiers who eat kosher and look, we'll, we'll make a kosher for you. We'll, 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 let's work together. We have a, you know, let's, it, I, it goes against my initial momentary desire. I want to say trade is the way to go. Okay. But those other people who don't and the people who do say this and let's work together to be able to find the common, uh, Fighter 
yeah so like so that's so that's what i think part of the the message of unity is like it doesn't mean that we all have to agree and everything is okay that doesn't mean that but it means that we have to be able to recognize that we are all one nation we all live in one country or in many countries or whatever we're one nation we have we have common descent from Abba, and we're part of this nation and yes we have our disagreements but there are people we could talk to each other and maybe we have big disagreements but just because you have big disagreements doesn't mean you have to vilify the person and not be able to have a conversation with them they're not hamas there's a big difference between them and hamas and like you're, you should be able to work with them and it starts with being able to just talk and interact and that goes that could go a long way if um you know you know someone just told me a story there's uh it's like um there's a there's a guy who's in charge of like the uh, Yale and um, it's it's like, I think it's some like Chabad or something in Yale or something like that. He told me a story. He just wrote me an email. Four seconds. He said some rabbi he met with or something, and he told him he says uh, the guy was going to become in charge of like the Kirov in, in Yale. And Yale's like um, you know I guess it's like a hua type of place, and he's gonna people aren't necessarily mean to Torah. So the guy told him he says he said what's your one 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 piece of advice. So he said, my own piece of advice is don't underestimate the power of a sandwich. Now, and I guess that's similar to like Avram Avinu. It's like you could you could do Kira by yelling and screaming or convincing or fighting or whatever. But I think that he didn't elaborate much. But my sense is he's saying sit down with the people, bring them a sandwich, bring them into your hello or whatever, and talk to them and show them that you a side of humanity. And yes, you disagree, but you could have a conversation about your disagreement if you recognize them as a fellow Jew or as a fellow human being, as opposed to just vilifying them and, and just yelling at them and ramming down their throat. Not that you're saying what they believe is okay, but they are a person who you're willing to discuss it with them and you'll hopefully tell them at one point that there's, it isn't okay. But let them at least respect them as a person, as a Jew who has disagreements, and you both have disagreements, but you're willing to discuss those disagreements and then if they they want a certain respect, like for example, like in Israel, I think, like the from people don't like the 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 secular, but the secular people are fighting and they're giving their lives to save to save to make, allow you to learn Torah, in a in a country in a safe country, so it should have certain appreciation for that. Yeah, you disagree with them what they're doing, but at least you're in you're benefiting greatly from them, and then you just spit at them or whatever, and you throw rocks at them and say they're evil and they're whatever, like. You're taking great benefits from them. So, like, again, obviously you disagree, but that doesn't mean everyone's evil. It could just mean we could sit together and try to work out our disagreements. But there's like a respect amongst people, which I think we have to have, despite our disagreements. Just because you treat the person as a human being doesn't mean you endorse everything they stand for. But it means you can have a common ground and you're willing to have a discussion. And that's the point, because I think there should be an ability to disagree in a civil manner could lead to actually influencing people. You don't feel better if you respect them and they respect you and they don't just feel like they just describe them as being garbage. So I think that's a little, it's not, it's not necessarily, look, as an ends, shalom is an ends, but the ultimate shalom is the ends, which is the, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate shalom. But I think there's a shalom, which is a, a, a the path to get to the ultimate shalom is a shalom in the social sense, which could enable 
us to join together and to influence people on a more uh, a more ideational way and lead to the ultimate shalom. Mirza Hashem will have shalom and we'll have the real shalom. Shalom and the social shalom where we disagree but agree to disagree and work together will ultimately bring about a Yom Ovi Hashem HaKadosh Here we remain.